0: Hallelujah, you can be seated. Give them a hand as they go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. God is good and his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. Somebody might say, now listen, do you think that's right? You just gave him some money for just finding the word of God. Well, we just want to train them a little bit because, you know, uh, God is good that way. If you can give God word back to him, he says it will cause you to be successful and to prosper. Amen. And so we want them to get the word of God down in their heart. And uh, we used to do that when we were in youth group. We'd come in. Of course, we got to where we knew it, but we didn't always know the scripture. So we always had our Bible with us. And so the youth leader would say, okay, here we go. They call them sword drills. Is that what they call them? Sword drills, you know, because the Bible is the sword of the, the Spirit. Have sword drills, and so, you know, they'd have all kinds of, and so they'd say, uh, find this scripture, and everybody's And you just hear the words of the Bible just, <laughs> all right, the, 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 the words, the, the pages of the Bible just flipping. And it's such a, you know, we don't think about it sometimes until later. But you know, what a cool sound to be in a youth room. And the pages of the Bible just going, while young people are finding the word of God. It's amazing. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, good to see you all tonight. Everybody who's joining us by a live stream or online, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Getting kind of an odd start uh, to the evening, but I just wanted to challenge the youth to get into the word. We're coming to the end of 2020, and I believe in 2021, they need to have the word of God. We need to have the word of God. Uh, in our heart like never before, amen, and to remind ourselves, to remind God, put him in remembrance of what he said about us, what he said to us, what he said uh, is there for us because he has covered everything. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, belongs to us through the knowledge of him, and so we get to know his word, what he said, what he's done. In his death, burial, and resurrection. And there's so much going on in the world that even believers will be overcome by what the world is doing. But we are not to be overcome by the world, but we are to overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith, our faith. And you can't have faith. Uh, F.F. Bosworth said this, I quoted it this morning, in his book, Christ the Healer, talking about healing. He said, faith begins... Where the will of God is known faith begins where the will of God is known if you don't know God's will Concerning a situation you can't exercise true faith in that right and so a lot of people are hope so think so Maybe so Christians, but God never called us to be hope so think so maybe so Christians He called us he said that the just Would live every day by faith in God so if we don't pick up the word and we don't know what God's will is concerning any area of our life, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's covered everything in here. We sometimes think, well, that was 2,000 years ago. How can he cover it? Because God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, right? God knew it before it ever started. He, he knew, and, and, and really, he's got a plan for you. And sometimes people think, well, he has a plan for me. Why is this happening? He has a plan for you, but the enemy also has a plan for you. And God has a plan for you and the plan is for good and not for evil It's a blessing and not cursing. It's for a future and a desired outcome in God The enemy also has a plan for you and he's come for no other reason except to kill to steal and to destroy Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly So many times we don't know what the enemy has planned for us So we can't avoid it and so often we don't know what God has planned for us, so we're not benefiting from it. And so to get the word of God in our heart, faith begins where the will of God is known. Subsequent to that, he said, the power of God can only be claimed where the will of God is known. So we want power in our life. We want power to overcome sickness or disease, power to prosper, or, you know, a, a number of those things. But if we don't know that it's God's will for us, right? Deuteronomy chapter 8 says it's God's plan. God has given you the power to prosper or to get wealth. He's given you that power. But some people are told God doesn't want you to prosper, but God does want you to prosper. That's why he even told Joshua, he said, listen, if you meditate in the word day and night and night and day, it will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Amen? Well, we want to just, if you weren't here this morning, Uh, or weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, and you're here or you're online, you can give online. Uh, The numbers are up there. uh, And you can just don't pass out the uh, envelopes right now because I'm going to cover two things at once. Uh, If you weren't here, uh, you can raise your hand. Just make sure when you get that you put tithes and offerings. Or today is our day that we're taking up our offering for our missionaries to receive a Christmas bonus. And if you were in first service this morning, I apologize. I've... (laughs) Went right over my head. There had it written down, and I was ready, and got off uh, praying and preaching, and missed that. So we want to bless our missionaries. So, uh, if you gave your tithes and offerings, but you were prepared for that, you can mark your envelope. But make sure to mark your envelope or your giving for missionaries uh, Christmas, so they get. Uh, we we disperse that to them for their Christmas bonus. Otherwise, TNO or ties and offerings uh, for your local church ties and offerings. So if you need an envelope, if you're given by uh, uh, cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand, the ushers will give you an envelope. If you're watching online, you want to give to uh, the missionaries for their Christmas bonus, uh, you can do that online as well as you can give your offerings online. We're always thankful uh, for your giving, for your blessing. Uh, Man, I saw coats coming out of the boxes out there. Thank you for doing that. Uh, Some of you have given. We have five. Uh, families that we're giving uh, boxes to for Christmas and gifts and all that. And we appreciate uh, generosity and giving towards those families in need. And uh, praise the Lord. We're just going to see more and more. Uh, Bev does our extended table, which we're going to take all the coats there. But uh, I just love what Bev is doing at Thanksgiving. Many of you don't know this. you know, We minister at the extended table one night a week. And so with all the COVID stuff, they've been handing out lunches and stuff. And she just has such a heart for those people that came Thanksgiving, they were pretty much not going to do a Thanksgiving if I, if I got this all uh, right, or they were just going to give out those lunches. And so she called the hospital and uh, asked the hospital if they would make hot dinners for all the people coming. And so the hot, they did hot dinners for Thanksgiving for all of them, and they're going to do it at Christmas again. And so Bev uh, is heading that up. A team of people, not, not just from New Creation Church, a team from Extended Table is going to do that. And while they give them that hot dinner, uh, they're going to also hand out coats and gloves and all the things that you've brought and others. And so uh, praise the Lord. For some, that'll be an awesome Christmas, a warm Christmas, and uh, certainly there's more and more that we can do, and uh, we're going to focus on that in 2021, just a little bit more than we have our our mission to love, lift, and reach people. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll open your Bibles to Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. We're going to uh, pick up or intermingle, whatever you want to call it, with where we left off uh, last Sunday night, and we're going to talk about faith's confession. Uh, to understand really what it means, uh, the power of what comes out of our mouth and and the power that we have in what we say and really directing this. And there's even some some things uh, out there and around that really come against this, but the Bible never does that, that really your words are a creative force, they're a creative force. And we know that they're a creative force. They're a powerful force. You know that words are a powerful force. Just somebody, let somebody use their words against you, right? We said this last week, you know, uh, sticks and stones, when, we, when, we, when I was growing up, maybe they don't say it anymore. They probably don't. It's probably not right to say anymore. Uh, I don't know. But sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, sometimes we're trying to encourage people with that, but it never made sense to you as a kid, because sometimes you'd rather be whacked with a stick <laughs> than have somebody say what they say about you, right? And so, you know, you're trying to get people, kids, to ignore the, the things that people say about them, but uh, really, there's, we've just got to take what others say about us and not let it damage us in the way because we know what God has said about us, Right? And then we help others by really helping them know what God has said about them. And we begin to rise up in a place where understanding that our words are incredibly powerful. And so Proverbs chapter 18 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love them will eat them, right, will eat of the fruit of those words. And so we have to always be uh, conscientious of the words that we speak, whether they are containers of life or whether they are containers of death. And words really just begin something. You know, in our, in our life, in our family, uh, we have been praying. Uh, actually, in the church family, we've been praying uh, for Pastor Craig uh, in, in New Creation Church of Salt Lake. He's in the hospital right now. But as we were praying for him, Pastor Tasha uh, really saw this as she was praying in the spirit, that it started with a chain of events. And like chains were, were linking up, and a chain that would hold a ship to the dock, there was a chain of events that had really started, and, and that chain needed to be broken. We've been praying that that chain of events be broken, and it be reversed, and he rises up in health, and we've gotten good reports in the last couple of days, if you've been praying, uh, his oxygen level is coming up, the liters of oxygen, and so we're hearing good reports, the thing has been broken. But what I want to share with you uh, about that is, is really, our words so often start a chain of events, And we never recognize it, that he's taking something that we say and linking it to something that we say and linking it to something else that we say. He's creating a chain of events that start to hold or have a hold on our life. And if we're not careful, there's one thing where we make a chain of events where our words begin to build this, this mighty fortress that is what God has for us, or that we have, through our words, chains that begin to hold and to bind us. And so we don't want to begin a chain of events with our words that begin by the time we're down the road, they've bound us, they've held us from the very plan of God. But we want our words to be creative along with what God has created for us in the new birth. And so Romans chapter 10, verse 8, it says, uh, Romans chapter 10, I'm in Romans chapter 8, excuse me, Romans chapter 10, verse 8, it says, the word is near us, it is in our heart, and in our mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So he says the word is near you. It is in your heart and in your mouth. And so as, as Christians, as believers, we often talk about what we believe. And really, our Christianity is private. It's in our heart. But if we're not careful, we end up containing something that God wants to release. Right? We're not just containers, but we contain something that God wants to release Into our world God wants to do something and so faith is in the heart and in the mouth That is the word of faith which we preach He says that when you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead something supernatural happens Not just when you believe in your heart, but when you confess with your mouth Jesus is my Lord Something supernatural happens that he saves your life he supernaturally breaks the power of sin and saves you from the destruction of it, right? But that phrase that we confess Jesus is Lord, we need to grab a hold of because when we say Jesus is Lord, there's one thing to say Jesus is the Savior of my life. He saved me from sin. But when we say Jesus is Lord, when it's in our heart that God raised him from the dead for an eternal purpose to come in and to be the Lord, and we call him Lord, that means master of our life, master of our life. When we confess Jesus as Lord, we say, I want you to be the master of my life, not just the master of my church life, but the master of my life. I want you to be the master over my finances. I want you to be the master over my emotions. I want you to be the master over my thought life. I want you to be the master over whatever I put my hand to do because you're the one that causes it to prosper. You are Lord. That means master over every area of my life. And if you'll notice the area that he's not master over, that area that you have kind of kept for yourself. That'll be the area that things start to stir up in. And so Mark 11, chapter 23, says this about our faith. He says, if you'll say unto this mountain, the power of your words, I'll say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say will come to pass, you will have whatever. Somebody say, whatever. Whatever. You'll have whatever you say. Right. And the importance of saying and the importance of faith's confession is that we don't abandon, but we hold fast to our confession of faith. So many times we confess one time, and we want to see a change. And again, we just have to know this, that God, Jesus, the kingdom of God, is not Burger King, it's not McDonald's, it's not Taco Bell. We get into the point of saying, you know what, I confessed that I wanted a taco, and then I went around the corner, and right there was a taco. And so I prayed, and I came around the corner, and God was not ready to hand me whatever I prayed for at that moment. But see, God is still working on putting your taco together. Because he has the most extraordinary taco that you'll ever have. He wants you to partake of something that is not natural, but something that is eternal. And God is not looking to just make your life better today, but he is looking to make your life better and my life better every single day from now throughout eternity. Sometimes we're just looking for comfort right now. God, just give me some relief right now. God says, why would I instantly try to give you relief right now when I could give you healing and health forever? Restoration forever. See, we want instant, but instant means something that's so temporary. God is always dealing with eternal, and he's putting things together, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. He's building something for eternity. He's setting our life in a course for eternity. And so when we speak in line with eternity, the Bible tells us that God himself put eternity in our where? Our heart if we start to realize that God put eternity in our heart and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks we start to realize I need to stir up that place of eternity that's in my heart that I begin to speak in line with eternity instead of in line with the temporary yeah. because the temporary is fleeting today it's here and tomorrow it's gone But the eternal remains forever and ever and ever. We just read there in Proverbs chapter 4 to the youth that the word of God is life and health. Life and health to all our flesh. The word is eternal, but that eternal word of God will bring life and strength and health to all our flesh. So he says, guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Out of it flow the issues of life. What's in your heart and in your mouth... there's an eternity... there's something to guard in your heart... because when it comes out of your mouth... it will be pertaining to the issues of life. Or If you don't guard it, what comes out of your mouth will be pertaining to issues of death. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, those who love to speak will eat the fruit of it. So if we love to speak, we need to speak. What we speak becomes incredibly important. It's not something that's frivolous. Our words are not something that just frivolous words, right? And again, if you get too locked up on this, you'll never have a a conversation with somebody just to get to know them. Right? There are words that you just tell people, uh, man, it was sure a nice day out today, wasn't it? Why do you do that? Because you're opening up somebody's heart. You begin to validate who they are and what they do. And so sometimes we think that's idle speaking, but still it's not, it's with a purpose. I want to open up your heart. I want to create a place that we can plant the word of God into that heart so it will grow and it will will flourish. But we don't just come in and boom, put the heavy stuff on them right away. We begin to open up their heart. A good farmer does that. A good farmer prepares the soil before he puts the seed in. And so we have to really know that out of our heart, as we... Allow our heart to be prepared and receive the Word of God and receive the issues of life that we are going to speak to people, and it's going to open up their heart, and we're going to plant life in their heart through the words that we speak. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Your words are powerful. They're totally powerful. And so we guard our hearts. We guard our hearts. Turn over to James, the third chapter. James, the third chapter. I know many of you, and you know these scriptures. But as I said last week, it's Peter said in Second Peter chapter one, I know you may know these things, but it, they're so important. As long as we're in this tent, this earthly house together, we just keep reminding one another of the good things that God has said. Here in verse one, it says, "My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For if we stumble, for we all stumble in many things." If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or a complete or mature person, able also to bridle the whole body. Come on, the tongue. We think the tongue has nothing to do with what our body is doing, right? Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the governor or the pilot desires. Verse 5, even so, the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. It's like that chain of event. You can just throw a spark out there, right? I'm just throwing these words out there to see where they go. If you're married, you know what a fire a little spark can start Right, come on. It's just real. God's word is always real. We're like, you know, this is this thing here This little this big fire what a what a big fire a little spark kindles man If you're married, you know that I'm just gonna throw this out there. Just just one thing and pretty soon. It's like How did this thing get so blown up? It was that match you threw on this fire <laughs> come on It's time to get rid of your bo- box of matches <laughs> praise the Lord some of us got a whole pocket full of fire starter <laughs> I'm just letting stuff run through my mind I'm thinking like, Tasha, get rid of all those books of matches you have. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. Come on. All right. Praise the Lord. What a forest the little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among the members that it deviles the whole body it sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so praise the Lord he said there's just something your, your your tongue my tongue if we're not careful it wants to run wild it just wants to run wild it wants to take you over here and it wants to take you over there and it wants to say this and it wants to say that it wants to do this it wants to do that if you're not careful right and we have a we have the number of people you know who how whether they're created or they have this they don't talk very much right And that's probably better, but if we don't talk very much, the enemy still can get an advantage over you, right? I like what Mark Hankin says. He said, never run at your giant with your mouth shut, right? Your giant is talking to you. You might as well just talk to him, right? You might as well load up your sling and start telling your giant it's his last day. You're going to knock him down and feed his carcasses to the bird. Right, That's what David did. David didn't sneak around. He stood up, and he started telling the giant what he was about to do to him. And he didn't say it of his own pride. He said, you defy the armies of the Most High God, and God is with me. And so today, because you defy my God, you're coming down. Amen. Amen. There's things in your life that are defying the very promises of God. And it's time that we start setting our tongue to those things instead of what the enemy wants amen praise the Lord and so turn over to Matthew uh, our Luke excuse me we're gonna look at a couple of things here Luke the sixth chapter which we're gonna look at one part tonight but Luke the sixth chapter is a is an awesome uh, chapter in the Bible I mean they all are but to read Luke chapter 6 uh, will help you Luke chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 43. It says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bushes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Praise the Lord. And so we're the only ones. As we talk about faith, confession, and we start to talk about the words that we speak, really no one else can judge our heart. God looks at our heart. But God says in salvation, we have the ability to judge our own heart. And if you ask somebody about judging their own heart, sometimes they say, Well, I don't know. I don't know. But He says, We can judge our heart by judging our words. There is a connection between what's in our heart and what's in our mouth. And it's easy for us to just be deceived and to just throw that off and just say, you know what, it doesn't matter, but it does matter. The Bible says it matters. God says the tongue is created. The tongue is so set among our members that it has the power to bring life or it has the power to set afire all of hell's desires The tongue is so set in the members that it can speak to a mountain have it removed or it can set a spark on a dry forest and cause it to be consumed The words of our mouth can start trouble or they can bring life they can speak life or they can speak death and it's so set that it sets up the course for our life. That's why praying and the words of prayer are so important to pave out the future. We're not praying simply about the past or the present, but as we pray, we declare into the future. Why? Because it sets the course for our ship. Our confession and our prayers are like the pilot that sits in and has to give his, his flight plan to the uh, uh, tower, As we begin to pray out the word of God and the will of God for our life, we are sending signals to the tower that this is the course that we are going to take for our life. And if the moment we take off, we divert from course, we could be in big trouble. Come on, we don't want to go off God's radar in mid flight, we don't want to go into the path of another life that's on a crash course. But we want to declare and begin to speak out in prayer with our words of our mouth the course that God has set for us like a fight plan. Our words direct the course of our life. We have what we say. We have what we say. And so we need to guard our heart in such a vital way. Turn over to Matthew, the 15th chapter. These are usually not scriptures that you put on your refrigerator. But they're important for us to look at, and then we'll get to some that you should put on your refrigerator. God bless you. Verse 10 of Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is talking, or or, he's going to be talking here. He says, when he called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. He's talking to the Pharisees who had done so much about saying what people could eat and what they could drink and watching out for that. And he says, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out. Verse 12, it says, Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Okay. Okay. Um, verse 13 but he answered and said every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted says let them alone they are blind leaders of the blind and if they if the blind lead the blind they'll both will fall into the ditch then Peter answered and said to him explain this parable so Jesus said are you also still without understanding Peter said yes that's why I'm asking I was just an addition right there. <laughs> Come on. Sometimes we think we should understand everything. If you don't, just ask. Yes. I mean, when they asked, Jesus never said, You know, I'm not going to tell you. But the people that didn't ask always went away without understanding. Yes. Verse 17, he says, uh, Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Now, probably in the day that we live in, we should not talk about unwashed hands. (laughs) Come on. God looks down through time, and he gets a chuckle, I'm sure. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But see, we get so concerned about other things, but he says, it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Why? Because of what's in the heart. And we could look at this and say, well, I've never done these things, and this is the difference between living under grace and living under the law. And sometimes we don't understand the power of grace and what Jesus was saying about grace as he walked the earth. But he said, listen, you're not under the law. The grace is such a higher standard than the law. We, unfortunately, have made grace a lower standard. Just go ahead and sin. It doesn't matter. God loves you anyway. Forget about it. But that isn't what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying the law is a law that is, exposes the flesh and sin and how it affects and you're un- unable And you don't have the power in the flesh to do it. So he said under the Old Testament, you physically murdered a man. You got stoned to death. But under the New Testament, under grace, all you have to do is hate someone in your heart and you've already committed murder. See, grace is of the heart and the law is of the flesh. And the reason that we're not under the law anymore is because we've received Jesus Christ. And we live under a higher standard, empowered to do and overcome from the heart from the heart and so he says listen there's all kinds of outward things that you can do or consume and they're not really there the 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 physical things that you consume God already put something in there so that when you eat actually it digests and it leaves the body but it's what's in you that comes out that is actually defiling us and so we get to this point of not guarding our heart and not guarding what comes out of our heart And really, to guard your heart sufficiently and it's a a constantly moving thing that goes on with life, but we're not guarding our heart if we're not watching what we say. If we're not watching what we put into our heart, but half of what gets into our heart and comes out of our heart and goes into our heart and comes out of our heart is what we say. And God has a plan for that. You know, it's like regurgitation, but actually it's called cogitation. That if you eat it, And then you bring it back up, and you eat it again, and you bring it back up. It's what happens. But he says, when you continually process these things that have to do with the world, hatred, adultery, fornication, which he's not just talking about sleeping with a woman. He's talking about out of your mouth, you talk about how you wish you could live like the world, how the world has everything, and we have nothing. He said there's adulteries that come out of that, adultery with the world, what we want from the world, how we want to be like the world. He says blasphemies, that slander of other people and other things. He said all that starts to defile our life and bring us down. It's what's coming out of our mouth that really makes a difference. And so as I was praying this week, God really began to speak to me when we were when we went into COVID. Uh, we took these leadership classes; they were incredibly good. We did them online, and uh, a, a guy that we met in a conference who does uh, leadership training for NFL teams and uh, college teams and all that stuff. We made, a, a, I believe, a divine connection. And so we took some classes with him. And as COVID hit, he said, you know what? This is what's going to hit everybody, uh, this situation, is we need to do something. We need to do something. And he said, there'll be so many things that come out of that that are wrong just because people need to do something. He said, we need to ask the question, What?" Needs to be done what needs to be done see there 's always a desire we need to do something, but re- what really needs to be done and as, as I was praying and meditating this week, the spirit of God said it 's so much like that, even with people and their emotions and they 're stirring when they're, when the enemy stirs their emotions, they say, I just need to say something, I just need to say something, but it 's not that you need to say something it 's what needs to be said that will make the difference not just saying something but what needs to be said makes all the difference and I just submit to you right now that because God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning and that God has already seen 2021 ahead of you And he knows the pitfalls that are in 20 and 21. He knows the strategies of the enemy. God says, I know the strategies of the enemy. People say, well, why doesn't God stop it? God clothed us and gave us the armor of God to stand against every strategy of the enemy. He didn't say there aren't strategies of the enemy. He said, but I've equipped you to come out victorious concerning every strategy. And he knows the strategy of the enemy to come against your finances, to come against your soul, to come against your body, to come against your mind, He knows those strategies. And so I submit to you, it's not just when the enemy attacks that you need to say something, but what needs to be said. And because God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, what needs to be said is what God has already said about the circumstance. What God has already said about your life, about your calling, about your destiny, about your body, about your prosperity. It's time to guard our heart from the attack of the enemy and put up the barrier, put on the armor of God and guard our heart because what's in our heart in the belief that we have in Jesus Christ and this word of God, if we'll take it in and hide it in our hearts and guard it, we'll begin to speak what God has already said. And when we agree with what God has already said, God jumps on the scene to get our confession into the place that God has designed our confession to be, is powerful. What needs to be said in this, these times and this hour. Turn over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Somebody say God's good. God's good. Well, that's good. You got that right away. All right. Sometimes I have to encourage you on. That was good. Didn't shake the roof, but it was good. It was good. (laughs) Praise God. Verse 15. Listen to this. He says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Don't forget to do good and to share, with, uh, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now listen, we wanna, I just want to clear up for a moment. A sacrifice isn't something that's drudgery. It's not what's left over, right? After we've said all kinds of stuff about a situation, then we give God praise. I mean, if you're there, give God praise. I'm not wherever. But the sacrifice, when God ever talks about a sacrifice, bringing a sacrifice, he actually is saying, bring your very best. Bring your very best. See, when they brought sacrifices in the Old Testament to God, they couldn't bring their second best. They had to bring the first fruits. They had to bring the very best, the first Right. So when he says offer up continually the sacrifice of praise, that is the fruit of our lips. That sacrifice means when you get up in the morning, the very first thing to come out of your mouth is praise. The very best that you have to say, say it to God. He's enthroned on the praises of his people. He rides on the praises of his people. The enemy is coming to get us to murmurs, to complain, to say, God, where are you? But he shows up in our praise. It doesn't matter if you can keep a tune or not. (laughs) To sing to God. The joy of the Lord is your strength and the joy and the rejoicing of your heart lifts up and God sits on that. The enemy rides and is enthroned on your complaining and your murmuring and he takes control of your life, but God is enthroned on praise. And no matter what the enemy's doing, when we lift up our praise and thanksgiving to God, he arrives on the scene. Come on, you just try it and stay with it. He arrives on the scene. He can't help but arrive on the scene. You're somewhere, and you start praising God. He he comes into the room. He shows up. Things start to change. But you have to do it with the words of your mouth. And the enemy comes in and says, don't, don't, now, come on, now. You don't feel like it. How are you going to praise God? Things are so bad right now. How are you going to praise God? And what are you going to praise him for anyway? Things are bad. If God was all God said he would, this wouldn't be that bad. And he'll get you to say, you know what, I'm not going to praise today. I don't feel like it. He'll come in, and he will rip you off. And he's subtle. You just have to understand this. He's subtle. You know, after Pastor Brian passed away, you know, I mean, God amazingly strengthened uh, our inner man, strengthened us, strengthened the church. It was, a, it was really a, a, it was a blast. It was a, a shot from the enemy. And so, you know, my regular prayer time, I love to praise God. You're glad, I'm glad you're not here when I'm praising God when I start out. Um, I'm not a real singer. But, you know, I went. I can't remember how long it was, way too long. Anyway, we were having a prayer time. It might have been at the beginning of, of the next year. So it had been a year and a, a month and a half or so. And we were praying right here. And uh, while we were praying, I think it might have been during prayer. Usually my, my, my flesh gets a little irritated when somebody in public tells me something um, rather than if they just approach me. But we were in a prayer time. I just remember it um, in a prayer time. And um, we were praying, and Christy came up, and she said something to this effect. And when she was praying, uh, the devil has stole your song. And inside of me, I said, Christy, just leave me alone. Sorry, but I did. I'm just being honest. And in my mind, I thought, I haven't lost my song because I was just going along. I was just trying to make it. I was just endeavoring to get to to the next thing God had for us. It was difficult. We were, were, uh, you know, putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the oil of joy for mourning. We were, were, I mean, we were still moving through a, a great loss, and I hadn't even realized it. A couple weeks after that, I realized I'm walking and I'm praying and I'm, I'm like plowing in prayer, plowing in prayer. And her voice came back to me, the devil stole your song. And I'm like, man, I hate it when somebody notices that way before me. He had stole my praise. I was just trying to get help to get through a tough situation. It comes. I'm just telling you that because it comes. And the devil just reaches into something like that and takes your Praise. Man, all of a sudden I woke up and I just like, I'm going to do it. I don't feel like it. I mean, I would come dragging in here in the morning and go, God, I just want to get through another day. And that just came up, the devil stole your song. And I don't don't know about you, but I don't like the devil to steal anything from me. And when he's found out, he has to pay back seven times. So you really don't want to be around while I'm singing He has to pay back seven times. I began to praise and God began to bring me up and to bring me out and to bring us through, but it started with a sacrifice of praise. Part of your faith's confession is being able to stand up and praise him when you don't feel like it. When you don't feel like it, the devil's trying to bombard you, you don't feel like it. Why do it? You don't feel like it. And that's the enemy trying to rob you, and you need to say, shut up. I'm praising God. I'm giving my very best to him. And you begin to praise, and he's enthroned as king on your praises, not on your complaints, not on your worries, not on your stresses. He's enthroned on your praise. So one of the first places that we start in guarding our heart and allowing our heart to be lifted and to lift from our heart is the sacrifice of praise. Turn over to uh, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, most of you know this. He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Listen, he says, meditate on it. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditation isn't just thinking about the word. Meditation is muttering the word. In other words, it's taking the word of God, getting it down, bringing it up, letting it come down, bringing it up, letting it come down, bringing it up, letting it come down, bringing it up. It's meditating on the word of God. And we want to get a wide span of our life because it's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness but it's time that where there's a need in your life or a situation in your life that you begin to open up the word of God and you begin to confess the word of God. You begin to look at what God has said about you. You begin to look in, in, in the realm of, uh, of your finances and you begin to declare Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 that my God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God's a supplier of everything that I have need of. That Luke chapter 12 says it's God's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. Psalms 35, let them shout for joy and be glad. Those who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Come on, people get really irritated sometimes at success and prosperity from the biblical perspective, but they work 24 hours a day, seven days a week to make money. And God said, I have a different way than you being underneath it every single day. I have a way that I want to prosper you. Healing, I mean, it's just wide and vast, 1 Peter 2.24, that by his stripes I was healed. If I was healed, then I am healed. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. He took my infirmities, he bore my sicknesses. He was wounded for my, Isaiah 53, he was wounded for my transgression, he was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. By his stripes I am healed. He is the Lord that heals me. He blesses my bread and water, and He takes sickness away from the midst of me. And the 91st Psalm says that as I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and I say of Him, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. It's in Him that I trust. He will protect me from the enemy and the fowler. And no sickness or plague will come near my dwelling place. Come on, it's time to just say, Not my house plead the blood of Jesus, not at my house. Not in my house, not at my house. Come on. We usually do that after he strikes our house. But he said, let it be your daily confession. That no sickness or plague comes near my dwelling place. Why? Because I have a covenant with the almighty God. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I say of him every day, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. It's in him that I put my trust, not the world. Sometimes the enemy attacks, we don't know what to do. We begin to confess the authority that we have, that Jesus gave us authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. When the enemy comes and speaks into our ear, we say, no, in Jesus' name. The enemy's been put under our feet. How do we know that? Because Jesus, everything in the world is under his feet. Every principality, every power, every might, every dominion. He's risen and it's under his feet. And he's the head over all things to his body. That's us. So if it's under his feet, it's under our feet. We have authority over all the power of the enemy so that nothing shall by any means hurt us. And in the name of Jesus that he gave us, that those who believe in him and that name... We'll cast out devils. They'll heal the sick. We have authority in that name. That name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven and in earth and below the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is master to the glory of God the Father. And every principality and power and ruler of the darkness of this age that is messing with your life actually knows that he's master. They already know he's master. Why? Because when he raised from the dead, he led a triumphal parade exposing them and disarming them. They know he's master. They know he's raised from the dead. They know he's defeated them. The question is, do we know? And when we know and we declare the name of Jesus over a situation by the word of God, we declare God's word about that situation, and we declare this word in his name, every promise has its yes and its amen in Christ. So we meditate on the authority that he's given unto us. Come on, if you need a little bit more love, we're always like, man, I need some loving. But listen, if you need to know love and you need a little bit more love, it's time to confess the word. When I got born again, the love of God was shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And God's love is not human love. God's love is agape. It's unconditional love. It's the love that passes human knowledge. It has a depth. It has a breadth. It has a height. It has a length. To know the love of Christ causes us to be filled with the fullness of God and who he is. And love is patient, and love is kind, and love doesn't take an account of a wrong done to it. If we're working on walking in love, yet we got an accounting of the wrong done to it, we say, God, I'm just going to confess I don't take an account of the wrong done. You say, well, I tried that once. I said I don't take an account of the wrong done, and immediately after that, I started to remember everything everybody did to me. Well, then it's time to just say it again, and say it again, and say it again. Your words have power, yes. but it's not a drive through I order a burger, and you have the burger. It's we keep on saying. Yes. We keep on saying. Why? Because the moment that it actually connects yes. with us, then we step over from just the principles of this is what I believe, so this is what I have to say, and we get over into the spiritual force that we call the spirit of faith, what Paul called the spirit of faith. We believe in Therefore. We believe, and therefore we speak. We don't have to think about it. We have guarded our heart, and it's in our heart, and we believe, and therefore we speak. What naturally or supernaturally comes out of our mouth at every instance because we've guarded our heart, we've put the Word of God in our heart, we've meditated on the Word of God concerning areas of our life, the love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, the gentleness, the things that we live in that combat and stand against the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Right. The flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. The two are contrary to one another. Your flesh is trying to get your spirit, man, to not accomplish what God put in there. And your spirit is trying to get your flesh to not accomplish the destruction the enemy has planned. They're warring, but God gave us a promise. If we'll walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And part of walking in the spirit is confessing what God is doing in you. That he's producing love, the God kind of love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, the gentleness, the kindness, the self-control the faithfulness. And you can just say that by virtue of being born again, the Spirit of God is working in me something powerful. It's the love of God. He's working in me peace that passes all understanding that guards my heart and my mind. He's working in me joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He's working in me the goodness of God, and it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance and to change their mind. He's working in me faithfulness to God, for that faithfulness to God brings about all kinds of good and precious things. He's working in me self-control so that I can guide my life, and sin will no longer have dominion or control over my life. We begin to meditate and draw those things up and get them in our heart, and then they don't come out in Elizabethan English. They don't even come out by the message translation. They come out by the translation of the Holy Spirit from your heart. They become articulated in your own language by the Spirit of the living God, which means that the people that we're around, we can articulate that love, that joy, that peace in a way that they can understand it. Communicate life. All right, I'm going to close with this. I like this. We, got the, we had this sent to us a couple weeks ago. Somebody was reminding us about the confession. So they sent this uh, from Pastor Mark Hankins. And so I'm just going to read it to you. It's, it's great. It's about confession. Number one, there's nine things here real quick just to know about confession. We can give this to you so you can put it on your mirror. We'll find it somewhere. What I'll give you here. You can't read. I can't hardly read it. Um, Number one, confession builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. By which faith carries its mighty cargo. Norman Vincent Peale said this. There's an invisible reservoir of abundance in the universe that can be tapped by some spiritual law. Some spiritual law. What spiritual law? The law of faith. The law of faith. So your confession builds the highway by which faith brings its mighty cargo. In other words, the thing that God's promised that you don't see, you call those things that be not as though they were, and it creates a highway for God to bring it into the scene from the unseen. Your confession and my confession is incredibly important. Number two, the spiritual law. Come on, man. There was a light reflecting off of whoever took this picture, and so... There we go. A spiritual law few recognize is that our confession rules us. Our confession rules us. So, in his book Fourth Dimension, uh, uh, Paul Yongi Cho said this. He said he sat down with a neuroscientist of the day. I think this was in the, in the 80s. One of the leading Korean neuroscientists sat down with Pastor Yongi Cho. And uh, while they were sitting there, you can read it in the book. I'll I'll probably mess up the story just a little bit, but I'll get the essence right. And so he sat down to the table with him and began to talk to him. And the scientist was very excited because they came up with a brand-new discovery in neuroscience. And that discovery was that the speech center of the brain rules the whole body. Neuroscience. He said this. He said, we found through study... That when someone continually says, I'm retired, that it sends signals to their body, prepare to die. (laughs) Come on, don't say I'm retired. Say I'm (laughs) re-fired. Come on. He went on to share some examples, but (laughs) Young Yi Cho said, yes, I know this. Yes, I know this. He said, how can you know this? This is breaking science. This is new science of the day. He said, no, I got it from Dr. James. Dr. James. (laughs) The tongue is so set that it rules the whole body. Rules the whole body. Praise the Lord. Number three, faith will never rise above the level of your confession. Your faith will never rise above the level of your confession of your confession. Number four, God can be no bigger in you than you confess him to be. God can be no bigger in you than you confess him to be. Come on, what are you confessing? What are you confessing? We need to just get back to a little bit of you confess it, you possess it. (laughs) It's really a bummer if you're confessing bad things, right? If you're walking around with a faith confession and somebody says, you confess it, you possess it. Oh, I, 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 I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You possess it, you confess it. Or you confess it, you possess it. Right? We used to do that in the 80s. I know you, you know so many of you are younger, you don't know that. But that used to be when we were learning about confession, that was it. We had the confession police. And so if you just said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of that. You confess it, you possess it. You'll be sick and tired. So if you're talking negative, those things are a bummer. Those are a bummer. But if you're confessing good things, you're like, woo, I'll take it. I'll take it. And we just need to get back to that a little bit, not to put people down, but it would be good when you said something bad for somebody to say, really, is that what you want in your life? Uh, Because you would say this, you'd go, no, that's not what I want. Don't do me that. (laughs) But yet at the same time, you're having what you say. See, It's just your emotions that say, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that right now. No, but it's what needs to be said. All right, we'll move on. I know a lot of husbands and wives are going, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. (laughs) My wife will tell me that when I say something bad. She'll tell me, you confess it, you possess it. (laughs) All right, all right, you ready for the next one? Number five, many Christians are weak, though sincere because they... Weak, though sincere, because they lack a bold confession of who they are in Christ. Many Christians are weak, though sincere, because they lack a bold confession of who they are in Christ. Number six, the confession of your lips that has grown out of faith in your heart will absolutely defeat the adversary in every combat. All right, I will. I would love to. (laughs) I would love to just say it again and again. It's our confession. We're having a little fun here online. I know you might, I'm, might not be able to hear all this, but she should come. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, all right. It, this is number six. Quit distracting me. Um, <laughs> the confession of your lips that has grown out of faith in your heart will absolutely defeat the adversary In every combat. Number seven. The word will heal you if you will continually confess it. He sent his word and healed them. Number eight. Nothing will establish and build your faith as quickly as confession. Nothing will establish and build your faith as quickly as confession. It's absolutely true. I challenge us, all of us, myself included, watch what you say from now through 2021, (laughs) all year. Watch what you say, ask an accountability partner or hold yourself accountable to what you say. And watch how quickly your faith grows. If you're speaking in line with God's word a confidence, right? Which is what Alan was talking about today in the offering. He's like, practice, practice, practice. Practice, 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 right? And so, practice, practice, practice. You can hold yourself accountable, or you can have somebody hold you accountable. Or we could make a church rule today. (laughs) That we will all hold each other accountable. No, just kidding. Don't get nervous. You can pick your own accountability partner. I don't know. I had a good nap today, so I'm getting a little goofy. It's time to, to wrap up here. All right. All right. Uh, number eight nothing will establish. And oh, nine. Brrr, nine. Last but not least your success and usefulness in this world is measured by your confession. And the tenacity with which you hold fast to that confession. Your success and usefulness in this world is measured by your confession and the tenacity with which you hold fast to that confession. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us then to hold fast. To the confession of our hope without wavering, because He who promised is faithful, faithful. I think that's Hebrews ten twenty three. Hebrews four says, "Seeing that we have a great High Priest." Let's hold fast our confession of our hope. Jesus is the High Priest of your confession. He takes that sacrifice of your confession and your praise, and He presents it before God. And our words are heard in heaven. And when they're God's word that he's watching over it to bring it to pass, angels show up to help you and say, I'm here on account of your words, just like with Daniel. If they'd show up to help Daniel on account of his words, they'll show up to help us on account of our words. Amen? But we don't want help going down the road of the enemy. We want the help of the angelic beings to help us live in righteousness with God. Amen? Why don't you stand up? Thank you.